Wake up, West Georgia. It's time for the podcast powered by coffee and Mountain Dew. The Morning Five with Bryce Sparling and Billy Lindahl. Good morning, West Georgia. Welcome into the Morning Five podcast. We're starting another week, and it is June. It is Monday, June 5th. And as always, today's podcast is brought to you by the Perry Lawyers. Nobody wakes up thinking, man, I hope I hire a lawyer today. But hey, life happens. Don't call one of those big law firms with overused slogans and thousands of billboards. We have a top-notch law firm right here in West Georgia. The Perry and Lawyers with offices in Carrollton and Bremen. Personal injury, workman's comp, and everything in between. Find them at callcadenow.com. That's C-A-L-L-C-A-D-E-N-O-W.com. Local lawyers catchy slogans, a few billboards, big results. We are 59 days away from the NFL, 60 days away from high school football, and 82 days until college football kicks off. And I know the NFL has had some OTAs and I think mandatory minicamp, I believe that starts the end of July. So we're getting close to, I know it's summer, I know everybody's out there enjoying the pool, enjoying the beach, going on vacation, but we're not that far away from football kicking off here and everybody getting excited about the NFL, college football, and most importantly, high school football around these parts. Today is National Gingerbread Day. You know, I don't ever, I don't know if I've ever actually had gingerbread that wasn't in cookie form. I was trying to think the other day when I saw this picture, when I wrote everything down for the podcast, I don't think I have ever had gingerbread that wasn't a gingerbread cookie. I think every time I've ever had gingerbread, it's always been a gingerbread cookie. I don't, I can't ever remember a day where I've just had a slice or a loaf of gingerbread. I don't know what you'd eat. Is it just like you just eat a slice of it? Like you don't make a sandwich out of it, right? Or like you don't fry it up or something? I don't know what you do with gingerbread. I'll have to try that. That I'm assuming gingerbread is only sold around Christmas, though. I'm assuming I can't go to Publix like right now and buy a whole loaf of gingerbread. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Today is also National Veggie Burger Day. Uh, one of the most pointless things I think ever invented, a veggie burger. I, uh, I've had them. I've had them a couple times. I've had those black bean burgers. They're not terrible, but they're uh, they're certainly not as good as a normal red meat cow burger. Those are the best. And today is also National Sausage Roll Day, and I think uh, sausage roll. I believe that's a pig in a blanket, essentially, what you call them down here. And those are one of the most ultimate elite finger snack foods for games and stuff, or when you're having people over. I've never met anybody that doesn't like pigs in a blanket. I mean, pigs in a blanket are an absolutely undefeated little snack finger food for whatever party you're throwing, graduation party, wedding, football party, tailgate, doesn't matter. Pigs in the blanket are absolutely undefeated as a finger food. In fact, just talking about them right now makes me want to make some. It sounded really good. I might make some today. Uh, this past weekend, the Braves kind of shook off the bad taste of the athletic series in their mouth. I mean, if you'd have told me we went three and three on this sort of West Coast road trip. I'd have been super bummed that we dropped all three to the Diamondbacks. But we went one and two against the A's, two and one against the D-backs. Started off a little shaky and ended almost shaky as well. But we pulled out the victory on Sunday. On Friday, the Braves beat the D-backs three to two. Or excuse me, the Braves fall to the Diamondbacks three to two. Rosario, who had an insane weekend all weekend, uh, really to carry the entire Braves team on his back the entire series out there in Arizona. Rosario had two RBIs, both of them solo shots. The Braves only had three at-bats the entire game 
with runners in the scoring position, but Charlie Morton absolutely did a phenomenal job of pitching out there on Friday night. Seven innings pitched, three earned run, and nine Ks. That's great. One of my bets last Friday was I thought that the uh, the over-under at four and a half through five innings, I thought it was going to be the over because both pitchers going into this game, I believe Morton was close to a four ERA, and Kelly, I think, was... Uh, like a 3.5. I thought they would they would easily give up four and a half points in the first five runs. But a great pitcher's duel. Uh, unfortunately, the Braves didn't come out on top. But they did come out on top on Saturday. Braves beat the Diamondbacks 5-2. to two. Acuna, Riley, Rosario, and Ozuna all with RBIs. Acuna with a solo shot in the sixth inning uh, for his 12th on the year. And I believe the ball that Acuna hit on Saturday, I think it was hit around 693 feet. Because that ball was an absolute moonshot. I mean, that guy got absolutely everything. I'd love to see what the average home run is for Acuna this year. Because I don't feel like he's gotten too many cheap home runs. I, I it, it, it seems like every single time Acuna gets the bat on the ball, he puts an absolute jolt into that ball, and it gets out of the park quickly. I'd love to see what his average home run length is this season. I bet it's something nuts. I wonder what the, the longest average home run is for a batter that's hit over 20 home runs in one season. That would be an interesting stat. I'll see if I can uh, find it today, and if I can, I'll have it on the podcast tomorrow morning. Uh, we were 2 for 10 with runners in scoring position. That's definitely not a recipe for success, and that's not great for going forward. That's sort of something that I've zoned in on, I don't know, the past two or three weeks when the Braves have sort of been struggling is runners in scoring position our average is not very high i mean that's a that you know that, that's a 100 average right there two of two for 10 i mean that's that's or, but that's uh two 200 average excuse me that's not great we gotta up that man two for 10 is is not fantastic but what was great in this game on saturday when the braves beat the diamondbacks five to two uh was our k to hit ratio uh the k to hit ratio uh, might be the second best k to hit ratio We've had all season, second to that Phillies game where we had like 20 hits. We only had two strikeouts compared to 11 hits. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal for a lineup, too, that seems to have been striking out at a higher click the past couple of weeks. That's great to see from the Braves. Only two strikeouts compared to 11 hits and five walks. Uh, the two for 10 with runners in scoring position is not great, but that strikeout to hit ratio is, is good to see out of the Braves. And then Spencer Strider, six innings pitched, two earned runs, seven Ks. That's sort of his MO. I mean, every time you see or, or watch or listen to Spencer Strider pitch, that's like the baseline for him. Six innings pitched, two to three earned runs, seven to ten strikeouts. I mean, that's you can almost book it every single time that his line is going to be somewhere around there. That's his uh, – he gets up to six innings, and almost when he gets in that sixth inning, he's either at – or around 100 pitches, and that's when they give him the hook. I mean, I'll take that from Strider. I've said it all season long. I, I would like for Strider to go a little bit deeper into games, but I understand why he can't right now. Like, it, it they don't want him pitching over 100 pitches in games in June. I, like, I understand it, but, you know, maybe come, uh, maybe come the postseason, we'll see him get up into the 110, 115 area for pitches thrown and get into that seventh inning. And then yesterday, the Braves beat the Diamondbacks in just just amazing, amazing heroic fashion. Rosario with four RBI four RBIs on two outs. It was a bases loaded grand slam, top of the ninth, down five to four, two outs, down to our last out. 
And this is what it sounded like on Bally. 1-0. Eddie hits it to right. Drifting back is Smith. It's gone. A grand slam for Eddie Rosario. And the Braves take the lead in the ninth. Are you kidding me? That was good. That was a good call. But as you know here on home uh, on uh, TM5, almost at Hometown Sports Media, uh, here on TM5, we're partial to radio calls because we do a lot of stuff with Hometown Sports Media. So this is the radio call from yesterday's Grand Salami hit by Eddie Rosario in the top of the ninth. 1-0 pitch on the way. Swung on to the fly ball to right field. Going back now, Smith. Smith's at the wall. Grand Slam! Grand Slam! Rosario with a huge homer, and the Braves take the lead. Eddie touches them all, and the Braves are on top, eight to five in the ninth. I mean, you cannot. I mean, you can't beat Ben Ingram. We are so spoiled as Braves fans to have Ben Ingram as our radio guy. He's so fantastic. He's so phenomenal. Half the time, I just want to listen to the games. Even if they're on TV, I just want to listen to them on radio just so I get to listen to Ben Ingram. He's great at his job. So Rosario hits a grand slam in the top of the ninth to put the Braves ahead uh, 8-5. to five. We were down 5-4 to four before that. Albies had a big game yesterday. Two RBIs, two runs shot in the fourth. Olsen also added an RBI yesterday. Ozuna was removed from the game after hitting the ball about as far as you possibly can hit the ball in the Diamondback Stadium uh, and only getting a single out of it for not hustling out of the box. Uh, you know, we saw Bobby Cox do this quite a bit when he was the skipper for the Atlanta Braves. And Snicker, he's got a quick hook, too. I mean, he didn't hustle out of the box. Ozuna sat there and pimped it and watched a fly ball. And Snicker yanked him out of the game. So Ozuna was moved from uh, the lineup for hustling. It'll be interesting to see if he misses any more games because I know that's not a, a trait that Snicker wants among his baseball players. Soroka, not great, man. Uh, not great. Three and two-thirds innings. Five earned runs, two Ks, and two home runs. The spin, the movement, and the velo, it was all there, but the location, the command, wasn't. I mean, he was leaving a lot of balls up in the zone. It's the reason why he got two home runs hit off of them. So ho- hopefully this doesn't play into Soroka's, I-, I don't know, psyche, his mindset. Hopefully he's able to get over this. But once again, not a, not a great outing for Mike Soroka. Hopefully he keeps battling, though. Like I said, the spin, the movement, the velo, and everything on his pitches was there. Just the location, the control, not really where it should be yet. A.J. Smith-Shalver, though, that young man that was called up, seems like he's skyrocketing through the Braves organization right now. Went two and a third, gave up no hits, and three Ks. He did a great in his, uh, I believe that was his debut. I think that's the first uh, I think that's the first, first time he's pitched for the Atlanta Braves, I think. Uh, but he played He played really, really well. The Braves are still four games up on the Marlins in the loss column. They are off today, and then they start a three-game series with the Metropolitans on Tuesday. We have gotten to the point in the offseason where we have our NFL preview. This week, we will be going over the AFC West and the uh, AFC North. So we're going to start off with the AFC North today. We have the Cincinnati Bengals. And their 2023 preview, it's it's really Lombardi or bust for the Bengals this year. In the past two seasons, the Bengals, they, they've upset the Chiefs to make it to the 2021 Super Bowl and have lost to the Chiefs in the AFC Championship. This season, it's Super Bowl or bust for the Bengals and their fans, in my opinion. 
going into 2023, the Bengals have been considered the they have to be considered the second favorite to win the Super Bowl. I would think, maybe third behind Philly, but certainly second in the AFC. I'm not putting them behind Philly, but I know some sports books and some fans will be putting them behind Philly to win the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow is as good as it gets at quarterback. Joe Cool's trajectory this season will go even higher with new uh, offensive tackle Orlando Brown, who they added to the roster to protect the franchise quarterback, who actually comes over from the Chiefs. And I believe their former left tackle is going to move to right tackle. He's not terribly – I forget uh, the guy's name is playing right tackle now. I know he's not terribly excited about playing right tackle. If he can buy into playing right tackle and have those two bookends of the offensive line solidified – it's just going to pay off dividends for Cincinnati this year. Uh, the Bengals boast one of the league's top pairings of DNs with Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard. If Hendrickson and Hubbard remain healthy throughout the season, Cincy will have a great chance of beating KC for the conference's top record. I really think that the Bengals will be the number one seed in the AFC playoffs once the playoffs start 16 months from now, whenever it is. Uh, before their NFL Week 7 bye, the Bengals are at Cleveland home versus Baltimore, home versus Vegas, at Tennessee, at Arizona, and home versus Seattle. There's a really good chance that Cincy it goes 6-0 in those first six games. And then after the bye, Cincinnati is at San Francisco, home versus Buffalo, home versus Houston, at Baltimore, home versus Pittsburgh, at Jacksonville, home versus Indy, home versus Minnesota, at Pittsburgh, at KC, and home versus Cleveland. Cincy shouldn't beat the 49ers on the road, uh, and Jacksonville is also a really good team that they're going to have to play on the road. But since he figures to, they're they're a better team than Jacksonville. But it's all it's on the road. It's down in Florida. I wouldn't be shocked if Jacksonville won that game. I mean, I'm only seeing four losses on this Cincy schedule. I think they're a 13 and four team. It wouldn't surprise me if they went 14 and three. Uh, the game at KC probably a loss. The game uh, uh, at Jacksonville possibly a loss. And the game at San Francisco possibly a loss. So I think that's where three of their losses come and then you could see them losing at Tennessee maybe possibly the first six games home versus Buffalo um, home versus Cleveland somewhere around there you could you could throw on another loss but I think I think 13 and four or a 14 and three record for the Cincinnati Bengals is in the realm of possibility now on the Baltimore Ravens head coach John Harbaugh is back for a 16th year leading the Ravens while he'll once again be joined by defensive coordinator Mike McDonald the team uh, made a rather big change this offseason by replacing offensive coordinator Greg Roman with longtime air raid discipline Todd Munkin. Munkin spent 2016 through 18 as the Buccaneers offensive coordinator in 19 with the Browns before leading the Georgia Bulldogs offense for the past three years. And that's been a Georgia Bulldogs offense that's been one of the best in UGA history. I mean, Stetson Bennett and all the weapons that he's had down there have been absolutely starching teams. And it's in no small part due to Munkin. What can Lamar Jackson do in Todd Munkin's system? That's the big question going into the season for the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar's passing yards have gone down every single season since his MVP season in 2019. Are we going to see the 3,000-yard passing Lamar Jackson return back to Baltimore after they settled his contract dispute? I, I, I still don't know why nobody went after Lamar Jackson. I, you know, I, I don't profess to be a, a genius football mind that's why I'm doing a podcast instead of coaching or something but for me I mean it just seemed easy Lamar Jackson still in his prime MVP already won in his second year 
And nobody went after him in free agency. It was or not free agency, but whatever that weird situation he had up in Baltimore. It was very odd. I didn't understand it. Uh, J.K. Dobbins was out the entire 2021 campaign due to an ACL tear, but made a roaring comeback last year in 2022, piling up the fifth most rushing yards in the NFL. He was a workhorse last year with a high usage rating because of the offense that Baltimore ran. Expect him not to get as much usage this year in the Todd Munkin system, but he's going to be just as effective. He's a good pass catcher out of the backfield, so see if Lamar can get him the ball out on the wings start streaking down the sideline at wide receiver is where the Ravens in my opinion that's where their real weakness lies Rashad Bateman and Zay Flowers will probably be their number one and number two targets but the real question question is what can OBJ do what does OBJ still have in the tank they required him in this offseason it'll be interesting to see how OBJ fits into the Todd Munkin system how he plays with Lamar Jackson what he has left in the can. I, I don't I don't know if OBJ has anything left, but if he does, he's going to be a boomer bust weapon for Lamar Jackson. This isn't going to be a guy that consistently goes out there, catches 8 to 10 passes, gets between 80 and 100 yards every single game. This is a guy that's going to go three or four games, probably catching one or two passes, and then in that fifth game has a game where he catches 12 passes for 130 yards, and then you don't hear about him for another month. I, I, OBJ is going to be a boomer bust type wide receiver in that Todd Munkin system, I think, this year. The schedule works out quite nicely for the Ravens. From their first five games, they only faced one playoff team from last season. The hard stretch of the season comes towards the end when they're at the Chargers, home versus the Rams, at the Jaguars, and at the 49ers. It could leave a lot riding on back-to-back -back home games Baltimore has to close the season out against the Dolphins and the Steelers. I think a 10-9 and nine season for the Ravens is likely this year. I wouldn't be surprised for them to move up to 11 or 12 wins if that Todd Munkin system is working really well. But if Lamar Jackson gets hurt and they have to bring in Tyler Huntley or if, um, if J.K. Dobbins gets hurt and they have to bring in Gus Edwards, I, I think the Ravens are not as deep as some of the other teams in the AFC North. I just don't know who they're going to start at wide receiver either. They just don't have a lot of good wide receiver options. Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers, they're nice pieces, but neither one of them are a number one team on a team that should win the division. So it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate that. But I think a 10-9 and nine season is very, very likely for the Baltimore Ravens this year. Let's get to the Marine South scoreboard from this past weekend. On Friday in the NL East, the A's fall to the Marlins 4-0. Blue Jays beat the Mets 3-0, and the Phillies fall to the Nationals. 8-7 on Saturday. The battle for Lorna. The Panthers fall to the Golden Knights 5-2 as the Las Vegas Golden Knights take the lead in that series 1-0 in the NL East on Saturday. A's fall to the Marlins 12-1. Blue Jays beat the Mets 2-1 and the Phillies beat the Nationals 4-2. On Sunday in the NBA Championship, the Heat beat the Nuggets 111-108 to even that series 1-1. Very lackadaisical play from the Nuggets and Jokic and everybody else in that team. It seemed like periods of that game, they just sort of fell asleep and forgot they were playing in the NBA Finals. It was a very odd approach. Um, I don't know what was going on, but the Nuggets were not geared up to play that game, in my opinion. They did not look like they had the juices flowing through them to, to beat the Heat. I mean, if, if the Nuggets win that game and they take a 2-0 uh, series lead and they go back down to Miami and they can steal one from Miami, the series is over. I mean, if the Nuggets would have won last night, that series would have been over. But the Heat do a good job of winning on the road. And they're bringing it back to South Beach, man. That's a big opportunity 
for the Heat to take a 2-1 series lead. I believe that next game is probably on like Tuesday or Wednesday. They get so many off days, especially when they're traveling. It's nuts. And in the NL East, on Sunday, the A's fall to the Marlins 5-7. Blue Jays beat the Mets 6-4, and the Phillies beat the Nationals 11-3. On the Smiths floor-covering games and events calendar, battle for Lordo tonight. Game 2, Panthers at Golden Knights at 8 p.m., Vegas leads at one to nothing and in the NL East. Tigers at Phillies at 6:40 and the Royals at the Marlins also at 6:40. Time for another cup of coffee brought to you by Realtor Hannah Strong with Robert Goolsby Real Estate Group. NCAA champion Rose Zhang wins LPGA's Mizuno Americas Open in pro debut. How insane does that have to be for you to win your professional debut? Not only do you win the NCAA, your NCAA champion, I mean, she has had so much hype going into her. She's the two-time NCAA champion, uh, became the first player in 72 years to win on the LPGA Tour in her pro debut. 72 years, first lady to do it on the LPGA Tour in 72 years. That is that is insane. That's absolutely insane. She got a par on the second playoff hole to beat Jennifer uh, what's what's her last name? Kaput, uh, Kupcho or something like that. Uh, Jen, I don't know. Jennifer's her first name that she beat her. Um, but yeah, when are you in your pro debut? That's insane, man. And Zlatan Ibrahimovic, he retires from football after AC Milan wins. Zlatan is retiring from professional football. That's crazy. Uh, the 40, 41-year-old, he's 41. The His contract ends at the end of the year this year with Milan. Uh, at the end of June, and he said he will not renew it. He will not renew it. it he's kind of had a bunch of injuries this year. He hasn't been the Zlatan that's been out there every single game and has scored 600 goals that we kind of got used to, I don't know, five, six, eight, ten years ago. Uh, he has had a bit of an injury-plagued season this year. But, yeah, Zlatan Ibrahimovic has decided to end his footballing career. One of the greatest of all time. And one of the cockiest and most fun interviews to watch is Zlatan. Uh, I don't know if anybody ever heard the story about, uh, I think it was Kobe Bryant sent a jersey to Messi, a signed jersey to Messi. And Messi like took it, framed it, hung it up, etc. Took pictures of it, put it on social media and all that stuff. LeBron James sent a jersey to Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And Zlatan signed it and sent it back to LeBron. <laughs> Zlatan signed LeBron's jersey and sent it back to LeBron for him. <laughs> uh, also in golf news, Victor Hovland wins the Memorial with clutch late putting. I believe this went into like one or two playoff holes in Victor Hovland, who has been in a, on an absolute tear this year in the PGA Tour, wins up at Mirfield. It was a gorgeous weekend for them up in Ohio for golf. Absolutely beautiful. And today in 1974, the NFL grants a franchise to the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle Seahawks still going strong. What did they want? Two Super Bowls? What they want? Two Super Bowls. Two Super Bowls in their franchise's history. That's all we have for the Morning 5 this morning. Join us tomorrow morning, same time, same place. Shake your neighbor! Just shake them! Shake your neighbor!